2021 on Facebook. Thanks for listening to KATH 910 AM, Frisco, Dallas-Fort Worth. Catholic radio for your soul in North Texas on the Guadalupe Radio Network. Heard also at grnonline.com and on your smartphone. Transmitting the treasures of our Catholic faith to your radio every day. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul. Welcome in to the David O'Grace Show. We begin in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Oh, my Jesus, forgive us of our sins, save us from the fires of hell, and lead all souls to heaven, especially those most need of thy mercy. Our Lady of Guadalupe, pray for us. St. Dominic Guzman, pray for us. St. Kateri Takawitha, pray for us. From the moment we wake up in the morning until we go to bed, we're being lied to constantly lied to a cacophony of lies from the beginning to the end of our day from every spear and leadership in the world in this country from the government to the military to the ceos even some of our leaders in the catholic church lie after lie after lie and we know why they lie to us because they think that it keeps them in power and that it keeps their system from falling apart but as Jesus said, the foolish man built this house on sand. The rain came down, the steam rose, and the winds blew and beat against the house, and it fell with great crash. So that's what we're talking about today. The lies that people keep telling us. And in the second half of the show, starting at about the 20-minute mark, Tommy Burke and Eric Phillips will be on to share the good news of the Camino Project in the Archdiocese of Chicago. And I'm excited to, for you to hear more about that project, what's going on there in Archdiocese of Chicago, that what the Camino Project is doing to return lives and to return culture back to our one source of truth, Christ Jesus, crucified and resurrected. But first, let me tell you how happy I am that you tuned in again this afternoon. And I pray that you know that Jesus truly does love you and that he's truly there for you and that he wants you to invite him into every aspect of your life, especially those parts of your life where you don't think you really need him there. My producer, Cecil, is off today, but the lady Diane Xavier is here. So if you have any questions or you'd like to call in and opine, please do that at 877-757-9424. That's 877-757-9424. And we're streaming everywhere, YouTube, Facebook, the Twitter. So you can always comment there. And make sure that you start your day every day listening to Catholic Drive Time Show with Joe McLean, Adrian Francesca, and Janelle Lee. It's broadcast on the Guadalupe Radio Network starting at 6 a.m. Central Standard, Standard Time. This is the David L. Gray Show, voicing truth and reason on the Guadalupe Radio Network, Radio for Your Show. On the last show, if you remember, I mentioned how soon 
there may be people knocking at your door. Don't worry. The Jehovah Witnesses have not resumed their in-person ministry. To the contrary, it may be the hirelings from the Biden administration there to ask you if you've been inoculated. And this week we found out that the FBI is now asking you to spy on your family members and peers and reports anyone who shows signs of endangering or preparing to support homegrown violent terrorism. To a degree, that might sound reasonable. To inform the law enforcement if people seem to be a danger to themselves and to others. But on the other hand, we have to ask, why does the government seem so fearful these days? And does violent extremism include burning down cities and criminal looting and senseless violence that we witnessed with Black Lives Matter, Antifa, and Proud Boys last year? Certainly, homegrown extremism does not include killing millions of babies in the womb because killing defensive children is not extreme at all. No, that's just health care, they say. So, it's very hard to take people seriously who constantly lie to us, telling us that a, a child in the womb, killing a child in the womb is healthcare, that transgenderism and homosexual actions are normal, that persecuting the Catholic church is not extreme. And suicide, which is the second most common cause of death in Americans aged 10 to 18, is a human right. All these harmful policies that do nothing but destroy families. But I should tell the FBI if I have a family member who doesn't believe that Joe Biden was elected fairly. Yeah. That's what keeps the government up at night right now. Because apparently more, something more deadly than the civil war is afoot. The Civil War, in which about three-quarters of a million, about 750,000 people died, about 2.5% of the population that time. A war in which the Democrats fought to the death so that they can keep slaves. Has now met something far more evil. And according to Joe Biden, that evil thing is states like Texas wanting to protect his voters or protect the votes of his citizens ensuring that our system remains one legal vote, one legal person, one living person, one vote. In a speech this past Tuesday, Biden said, and I'm quoting, the assault on free and fair elections is just such a threat. Literally, I've said it before. We're facing the most significant test of our democracy since the Civil War. That's not hyperbole, he said, and I continue to quote. He says, since the Civil War, Confederates back then never breached the Capitol and insurrectionists, as insurrectionists did on January 6th. Biden continues, and I'm quoting, I'm not saying this to alarm you. I'm saying this because you should be alarmed. So the scary thing here is that he said this before. He said, I said this, he said, I said this before. So this entire thing that he's saying is this mistruth is something that he's repeated. That state's not wanting another election like 2020, which over half of Americans right now don't think was fair, is the greatest threat since states seceding from a union of fighting a war in which three quarters of a million people died. 
And he must tell us that's not hyperbole because that's what people who use hyperbole say. Joe Biden said on a quote, the Confederates back then never breached the Capitol as insurrectionists did on January 6th. Another of the most common lies you hear today. Over 400 people were arrested in result of January 6th, uh, connection January 6th. Most of them, will, well, many of them will not be charged at all. And nearly half of them are going to be charged with simple trespassing. And of the over 400 people arrested, three had guns and hundreds took selfies in the Capitol Rotunda where they were escorted around. And some of those selfies, many of them were with Capitol Police. Although we're constantly lied to about multiple people dying that day in the Capitol on January 6th, only one died there, one, a young woman, a veteran who was not armed, not armed, but shot dead. Two others did die that day due to other health complications. One of them was another person who was not armed at all, but was pepper sprayed and died from complications of that. So it was not an insurrection and it was not a riot because again, Black Lives Matter and Tifa, the Proud Boys and other anarchists, some of whom were there on January 6th, showed us what a riot looks like. We see what a riot looks like right now in South Africa. In riots, things burn, people loot. None of that happened on January 6th. I take that back. I think I think a couple of people did steal teleprompters or podiums, so I guess there was some looting. But not wide scales, they say. But we know it was not an insurrection, especially because this country, we know it was started by an insurrection. The Boston Tea Party was an insurrection. The Boston Massacre was the start of insurrection. We know what our insurrection looks like because our flag celebrates the flag. The 4th of July celebrates the world's best known insurrection. And we're happy that we have this country. We're happy that we fought against taxation without representation. We're happy. So if we like it and we believe in it, we call it a revolution. If we do not like it, we call it an insurrection. If we like it, we call it a fair legal election. If we don't like it, we call it a coup. Whether what's going on in Cuba right now is an insurrection or a coup or revolution or riot, stay tuned. The media will educate us. This is just one of the biggest lies going on right now. The other is the critical race theory People saying that the critical race theory is compatible with Catholicism. This is the David O. Gray Show, voicing truth and reason on the Guadalupe Radio Network. So Gloria Purvis, um, who is a radio personality and Catholic commentator and calls herself not a conservative, not a liberal, just Catholic but works for the most leftist organization in the Catholic Church, American Magazine. It never says anything that I would consider to be a conservative point of view. Well, she produced a podcast the other day entitled What Catholics Need to Know About the Critical Race Theory, which argued that a critical race theory is compatible with Catholicism. The person she interviewed or invited on to agree with her for this segment was a person, man by the name of Vincent Rigaud, who is a, a Brown and Harvard educated law professor who taught at Notre Dame and Boston college and is now the president of Holy cross university. 
I don't know his political leanings, um, but listening to the podcast is clear that this is someone who Gloria Purvis is, is someone like her. And I think that's why they agreed so well on the podcast. So if you recall back on the David O. Gray show, Voicing Truth and Reason, back on April 7th, I did a monologue on that show about why the critical race theory is incompatible with Catholicism. And in the 20 minutes I had on that monologue, I basically just attacked the central premise of the critical race theory that the laws of this country are inherently racist against blacks who therefore suffer from systematic racism from those institutions who use the law to justify and reinforce their knee on the necks of blacks. I pointed out in that podcast that there is no explicitly racist law. No law on the books today even mention race negatively. And the only people who the law allows you to discriminate against and harm in this country are former felons most of whom are white, but disproportionately black and brown. And babies in the womb, you can also discriminate against the harm. Again, most of whom were white, but disproportionately black. Former felons, you can legally discriminate against in employment and housing and other basic human rights. Babies in the womb, you can slaughter at will. Every other citizen has access to legal protections. And there is a reasonable expectation that in 2021, the law will remedy your harm. The system's not perfect, but there's a reasonable expectation. That is to say that people, I mean, that isn't to say that people won't experience in this country racism or prejudice or discrimination. I mean, if, if, you, leave, if, if you live long enough on this planet, you've met some horrible people and you've been harmed in some way. I, I think it only takes about maybe five years of your life to figure that out. Right. Your first day in kindergarten on the playground, you learn that there's some mean people out here. Right. <laughs> so there's going to be a harm. You're going to be hurt. People are great people all the time. The follow human nature. It does fall in things. Right. So, no, you may be harmed, but if legally harmed, you have a reasonable hope of remedy for that harm. I also proved that in 2021, there is no barrier for anyone of any race to achieve anything, unless again, you're a former felon or your baby in a womb. Lastly, I pointed out that most problems, um, are in the home. That's where a lot of problems start from, especially amongst poor blacks, poor whites, poor, anything, right? Fatherlessness, poor education, lack of sexual morals. And the keys to a healthy society have always been a two parent home, good education, and good Christian values. So now, Having said that, recap the April 7th show. Now, let me respond directly to I think were some clear lies in the podcast of Glory Purvis. But first, let me state two things very clearly right off the jump. The critical race theory is not compatible with Catholicism because the critical race theory is rooted and grounded in Marxist ideology. The critical race theories, or I would say the critical theories themselves, of which there are many first developed in the 1930s in Germany's Frankfurt School. And what was called back then, they were called Western Marxist philosophy. So the critical race theories, the critical theories, I'm sorry, the critical theories themselves were first called or synonymously named Western Marxist philosophy. And they were drawing from the ideas of Karl Marx and Sigmund Freud. And these critical theories began to evolve into other social constructs like the critical race theory. But one thing remains constant in all of them. 
And that's the key premise of Marxism, which is the theory that society is divided between two groups. Society is divided between the oppressors and the victims, oppressors and victims, oppressors and victims. And that these two groups must be put at war with each other. Yet history has proven that this Marxist premise of dividing people along the basic lines of class and gender and race only create more conflict conflicts between class, gender, and race. Marxism is Marxism is a very hostile philosophy, which always leads to death and destruction and poverty. The second thing that I need to state very clearly is that is that anyone who is telling you that the critical race theory is compatible with Catholicism also told you last year that black lives matter is compatible with Catholicism. These are the same people. And they told you that because black lives matter is built upon Marxist ideology and all black matter believes in is pitting oppressor against victim. In their case, blacks against whites, homosexuals against heterosexuals. Now, Gloria and Vincent's only argument is saying that the critical race theory is compatible with Catholicism was saying that there are things in the critical race theory that Catholics can agree with, which is comparable to you being a single person and end up going out on a date with a Satanist. Now, the worst thing about this person that you went out is not that they're a Satanist. It also turns out that they eat cats for breakfast, but since this person, although they're Satanists and they eat cats for breakfast, uh, because you both agree that Seinfeld is a really funny sitcom and that peace is better with pineapples, you decide to marry them. That's what it's like saying the critical race theory and Catholicism are compatible based upon things that are so far down the scale of what actually matters. I've said this on a number of occasions that the critical race theory gets the preferential option for the poor correct. And they get race being a social construct correct. But that doesn't make it compatible with Catholicism. If I went to my trash can, I'm sure there's things in there, some of which I could recycle. But why would I bring trash into my house that I don't need? What people seem to forget is that Catholicism is the fullness of the faith, the fullness. So anything that any hypothesis or theory or even other religions hold to be true. As Catholics, we already believe that. Therefore, we don't need to look beneath ourselves into the trash and bring the trash into our church. Whatever the critical race theory holds to be true, we already know and we believe that thing. Now, Gloria's guest Vincent will reply that the critical race theory is an intellectual tool that helps us more deeply understand and engage. I have no problem with helpful tools. I wrote a whole book called the divine symphony to help people understand the liturgy through the construct of the classroom symphony orchestra. I've had a long history of building tools and systems to help people solve problems, but the critical race theory doesn't do that. Why? Because it relies solely upon one data set, the law to try to explain every problem of racial dis um, disparity. It doesn't include economic data, moral or religious data, immigration data. Imagine trying to take apart a diesel engine with one tool, a butter knife. 
you'll fail and you'll end up cutting yourself. That's the critical race theory. Proving my point when it comes to the law. Vincent's only proof, Gloria and Vincent's only proof that the law harms blacks was by pointing to housing discrimination, which Vincent admits are no longer laws in the books, but argues that blacks are still being affected by years of not having homes to buy and sell to build wealth. Again, let's take into consideration economic data, educational data, and family data, and some immigration data. Married people are more likely to own homes than not. 62% to 18%. In marriage, in this country, 67% of whites are married compared to 34% of blacks. Education, 70% of college-educated graduates own homes compared to 48% of no high school diploma. Therefore, if blacks in this country want to own more homes, then getting married, staying married, building credit, getting a higher education, making more money looks like the keys rather than blaming white people in the law for home, lack of low home ownership. Granted, now let me be honest about these numbers. White Americans do perform much better education and, and debt and home ownership, even with their black college peers. And blacks do graduate more debt and are less likely to have family wealth to help them with college and uh, home down payment. So I understand Vincent's point about generational wealth. That's true. But when we look at immigration data and see that poor immigrants in this country that have been here just one generation and have home ownership equal or better than blacks. We can't make the past our excuse, but this is what I mean when we have to rely on just one data, the law, like the critical race theory to discuss these problems. And I haven't even started talking about the moral data that I talked about on April 7th show, married people with at least a high school diploma for strong, religiously grounded moral values, especially in regards to sex. They just do better in society than others. And when we look at urban centers with high dropout rates, high crime, high incarceration, we also find that lots of single mothers and men with no value, with no, uh, no values uh, when it comes to sex and uh, family reproduction. So it, it's not law and racism. The problem is systematic immorality and sin. So I won't go any further with my critique. I'll leave it here. But you can hop onto my YouTube channel and listen to more of my commentary on the critical race theory. I've done lots of talks about it in interviews. But again, it's not that it's not only incompatible with Catholic theology. All these Marxist critical theories are beneath Catholicism because they do not value, fully value the human person. Because they just want to pit one race against another, one gender against another, one class against another. Rather than point to Christ as being our solution. They point to the law and intangibles and fairy dust. And again, remember that people who come to you and tell you that critical race theory is compatible with Catholicism also told you last year that Black Lives Matter was compatible with Catholicism. And they do this not because they aren't well-meaning. I mean, Joe Biden is well-meaning. And well-meaning isn't even a standard for us to aspire to. Well-meaning people go to hell every day. No. They tell you these lies because the Catholic church is not enough for them. Christ isn't enough for them. For if Christ and his church were enough for them, then they would draw you nearer to him than to the world and the stupid and pointless systems and theories that Satan uses to destroy souls. So that's all I know about that. Right after the break, we'll have Tommy Burke and Eric Phillips on from the Camino Project, which is an amazing new ministry in the Archdiocese of Chicago that I want you to know more about. And we'll be right back. This is the David O. Gray 
David O'Grisho, voicing truth and reason of the Guadalupe Radio Network, which is radio for your soul. I've never heard y'all before. There is this lady with her big white SUV, and on the back of the windshield is this big cross with y'all's radio station underneath. Put it on y'all's radio station anyhow, and then it starts talking about the saints and how the saints give you signs, and they lead you into the right direction. I just appreciate you and God for putting that sign in my life and letting me know that it, it is him, and it's okay. The Guadalupe Radio Network, radio for your soul. Thank you for listening to the Guadalupe Radio Network and being part of the family. Families pray for each other. We would be honored if you would let us pray with you and for you. You don't even have to tell us your name. Just go to our website, grnonline.com, or call our prayer request line and leave us a message at 800-395-4008. That's 800-395-4008. We will be praying for you every day. If you're a listener to the GRN, thank you so much and welcome to the GRN family. Would you also become a promoter of the GRN? It is a simple act of charity that could change a life for eternity. Once a week, please make a point to call someone about the GRN. The Holy Spirit, working through the means of the Guadalupe Radio Network, is drawing souls closer to Christ and to His Church. Remember, Pray, pledge, and promote. It's a Catholic thing. I want to thank you for being part of the GRN family. May God richly bless you. We are your Catholic radio, radio for your soul. Welcome back in to the David Earl Gray Show, voicing truth and reason on Guadalupe Radio Network. This is David L. Gray. You can visit me online at davidlgray.info for more information about what I'm doing, my books, um, my YouTube, everything that I'm doing. Just check me out at davidlgray.info. So welcome back into the show. So we're in the second half of the show now. And um, I have Tommy... Burke, who's a founder and CEO of the Camino Project. And I have uh, Mr. Eric Phillips as well, who's director of membership formation of the Camino Project. How you guys doing? Can you hear me okay? All right. All right. Let me just do a quick test here, make sure everything's okay. How's our How's sound? I'm getting an echo on my end. Right. David, can you hear me? Yes, sir. I can do it. Okay. Echo's getting better, but it's still there. So. All right. All right. So, man, so, man yeah, I'm so excited. 
to have you on the show. Uh, so the Camino project is really an exciting thing and I want more people to definitely know about. So it's, um, well, you know, Tom, you're the founder and CEO. Why don't you just tell us about the Camino project? So let it, let it come, just let it come from the horse's mouth itself. Tell us um, what the Camino project is. We'll get you start. We'll get it. We'll get it started. So the Camino project is a, is a Catholic 501 C three charity organization, uh, based out of Chicago. Um, our primary focus is we send uh, young adult Catholics ages 18 to 24 uh, on pilgrimage on the Camino de Santiago, all expenses paid. Um, you know, the criteria we're looking for are devout Catholics uh, that are practicing their faith, um, serving the church and their community, uh, which is something that's especially really important in our hometown of Chicago right now, um, but also has a financial need. Right. So we're looking to take kids, you know, from under, you know, disadvantaged neighborhoods um, who would never be able to really afford uh, going on a 45 day, 500 mile pilgrimage across Europe um, and give them all the tools that they need, formation, you know, and the funds to do so. Yeah. And so, yeah, so it is a 501c3. So that's a site. I just want to get let people know that just off the rip because, um, they can donate money to your organization. And so, <laughs> and so let's get into that a little bit. So, I mean, cause you're doing a lot of things that require money. Right. Um, and so that, that description of what you're doing, I want to get into, I want to dig into a little bit more. I want to ask about, well, why Chicago, why there, um, what are some of the measurables and what's some of the, the specific things that we, that you think can really, um, address some of what you think are the needs in that, in the archdiocese of Chicago. But I know that you have three pillars. And Eric, can you like build upon those? Oh, yeah, sure. Um, first off, once again, I want to say thank you for having us on. Uh, so we're a faith-based, faith-based organization, and we look at the church as a, as a community, right? as a community of people who are striving to get to heaven. So the question always is, you know, how do we get there? What, what can we do with the time we have, the resources that we have to get there? Um, so one, so first thing you want to do is establish hope amongst our own people, amongst Catholics. In order to have that hope, sometimes you got to have the understanding of what this faith teaches, uh, what is a pilgrimage, um, where to, where to go to learn these things. Um, and so through, through Tommy's, uh, through Tommy's leadership and, and guidance, um, I've been able to, through the help of others, I've been able to, um, I've been able to just grow in different ways. Um, and not just me, but bring other people along the way. For, for instance, um, one of the things that we've done so far, we sent one pilgrim on, on the pilgrimage, but it's about it's about the discipleship of the two, right? We want to we want to show them that we're here for them each step along the way. Now, you ask the question, why Chicago, right? Mm-hmm. Why, why Chicago? Yeah. For well, being time you live in Chicago for one, but Chicago does have a huge Catholic. Uh, well, not it's large, but it can get larger. But it has a large Catholic population. It has had it for a long time. Our founder, uh, Jean Baptiste Pont du Sable, um, French Haitian, most likely a Catholic. Uh, we just have a Catholic history um, that we need to build upon. Um, and we are in a situation where churches are closing, left and right. But we also, there's a, there's a lot of good in Chicago, but we also still have a vibrant community that's willing to um, explore the depths of the faith. You know, 
a community that's willing to tell each and every person, look, in, look, look within yourselves and challenge yourselves. Do something to take you away from your comforts, right? This is what the pilgrimage is about. Taking you away from those comforts so that you're in a position where you must rely more so on what God can do and his grace. Um, and and you know, just discussions with Tommy, it was brought to light that you know, pilgrimage is one way to take you away from your comforts, right? Whether it's your cell phone, your family, your friends, um, television. Um, so one of those pillars is uh, the sacrifice part of it. Right. Mm. And that's what we're, that's one, that's for every Catholic, except for every Christian, even Protestant, that's that sacrifice, right? Sacrificing not just my material things, but also my own passions that may sometimes go against what the church teaches, right? And still saying, you know what, Lord, this is what I want, but your will be done. And I think when you look at the pilgrimage, that's what, it's, that's what it encapsulates. Mm. And that sacrifice. I think Tommy's probably best fit for the other two uh, pillars. Um, to my shame, he's done more miles than I have, and I, I need to do this. I need to do this pilgrimage again, and I will. But Tommy, can you chime in on those other two? Uh, and we're, we're, talking we're talking with um, Mr. Um, Tommy Burke, who is a founder and CEO of the Camino Project, and Eric Phillips is also with us. He's the rector of membership and found. Um, formation so this is an important ministry that's going on in archdiocese of chicago and i think it's really spread to more and more dioceses throughout the country um it is a five 501c3 organization um that's seeking to forge disciples as tommy burke said and, and tommy one of those one of those um pillars that eric was also was talking about was renewing the church i mean how can so how how i mean how do you accomplish this through the Camino project? What does renewing the church look like and how is that accomplished through the Camino project? I mean, put to put it quite simply, right? Our youth are our future, right? And um, if we can, through the youth, uh, first here in Chicago, and then hopefully around the, around the country, and at some point around the world, I mean, we're, we're ambitious. Um, if we can just, you know, put together one brick in the foundation of the future church, um, we'll consider, you know, it a, our lives well lived. Um, the, the goal of the communal project, you know, so I walked in the communal in 2017. Um, I couldn't imagine um, how it would have transformed and changed my life, right? Had I done this when I was like 18, 19 years old. And I couldn't shake it. You know, I'm walking every day for three months and, you know, God's just putting this on me and I'm, you know, it's a little scary, right? When God puts a responsibility, he puts a new cross on your shoulder. And, uh, but I couldn't shake it. I'm like, I, I couldn't get it out of my mind. What, um, what a young person having this uh, transformative experience, true pilgrimage, right? Pilgrimage is a, is, a, is a pillar of our Catholic faith that here in the American church, we've lost. Or maybe we never really had it to begin with. You know, pilgrimage for us is hopping in the minivan and driving an hour. And hey, don't get me wrong, people, that's great. You know, I'm not knocking you for that, but this is a totally different ballgame. Um, when you're a young person or at any age, right, you go on, on a true adventure and the focus of the adventure is Christ and his church. Um, it changes you and there's no going back from that, you know, and it might put across a burden on you, um, you know, if it's his will, um, but you're going to come back saying, I need to, I, I need to pay this forward. Um, I need to, I need to help others grow in their faith. I need to help bring people to this experience. So 
Um, you're a 20-year-old kid. You know, you're already on fire for the church. You're already serving your community. You've been given this experience uh, to see the universal church, to live it. Uh, you're going to come back with all of those passions you have for the faith only magnified. Your service efforts, your faith, so forth. And we expect that you will be contagious. You know, it'll be evangelization just through that vibe you catch off somebody where, you know, something so special is going on with them. Yeah. You want to be close to them. That's what we want. We want to bring that pebble in the pond in our Chicago neighborhoods that need it the most. Yeah, 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 yeah. And so the Camino Project, um, you can find it online at thecaminoproject.org, Camino, C-A-M-I-N-O, thecaminoproject.org. And so a lot of information there. You can go there, find out more about the walk, the events, how to donate, more about um, the team that Time is Assembled, the team that uh, Eric Phillips is a part of, doing amazing things in the diocese. Archdiocese of Chicago, and I'm so excited about this program. I really want to see it spread to more dioceses. I want to see it come out down here to, our, to the diocese of St. Louis one day, because um, you know need a lot of help here as well, especially in places like East St. Louis. But and, and speaking, of, I want to ask you this, Eric. So I know that you have like part of the the program is the the um, provide all expenses and pay a pilgrimage and scholarships for adults 18 to 24 in the previous segment, I have brought up the fact that um, t- uh, in this country right now, from the age 10 to 18 is the leading, the second most common cause of death is suicide. Kids from 18, 10 to 18, the second most often cause of death is suicide. Now I know also sometimes, um, now, in, in, in some of our more urban centers, 18 to 20 year olds, I know this guy used to teach at an inner city school, um, kids in that age group, they're going through things that I know Tommy and I didn't go through when we were kids. I mean, these kids are dealing with some serious stuff, right? Um, is, is, so is 18 to 24, is that too, is that too late to encounter people um, in to, to help them? Good question, David. I think... As a starting point, it's good, right? I think this organization is about four years, three years old. As a starting point, I'm content with that. But with anything good and noble, um, it's sh- in some way, shape, or form, it can be molded to affect different ages. So I think mm-hmm. a long-term goal, and even Tommy would tell you, it's like we start in Chicago, and we want to spread our influences all across Chicago, but we don't want to end in Chicago, right? From Chicago, we want to do our county. From the county, we want to affect the whole state and they're on. So at some point, uh, I believe in some way, shape, or form, we will be reaching out to those different age groups. For instance, um, like one of my tasks is to develop develop a curriculum, formation curriculum, which has been harder than I thought, but I, but I, I appreciate that, that role. Um, I'm sure in some way, shape, or form, a curriculum can be molded to in a way that t- children, eight, 19 year olds can be taught because the way you teach them, you can't teach the same as the 18, 19, 20 year old, right? Um, like the catechism, great book, right? But if you put that in front of a five or six or seven year old, you're gonna end up in a disaster, right? So I'm sure there's, and, and I have teachers in my family, so I'm sure there's a way it can be molded to get those age, age ranges. So 
that is on the horizon, I would say, but we're not there yet. But thank you for the question. One, uh, so one note there is, so, you know, we do have local pilgrimage opportunities, you know, around Chicago that are open to all ages, um, you know, that uh, really showcase the Catholic heritage of Chicago um, and, and also showcase the universality of the church. It's something that's really important to our organization um, is that to be Catholic doesn't mean you, you know, you look a certain way or uh, you come from a certain ethnicity, right? Uh, the church is truly universal. And one great blessing that we have here in Chicago um, is that's on full display. It's, a, it's absolutely on full display. So we use, to, to reach out to those younger age groups, you know, we, we tend to uh, focus on local pilgrimages. In Chicago, along with Baltimore, St. Louis, you know, it's always in the news. You hear about things every weekend about how many people are getting shot, how many people are getting killed. It's just it's just a constant news story. Um, obviously, per capita, um, I think if we look at some smaller cities like where I'm from, like Youngstown, Warren, uh, <laughs> I think violence is is more common there per capita, right? Um, but in large cities, you know, we hear these numbers like, "Whoa, man, that's 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 amazing." What what's what, what 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 feedback would you have to have to that narrative, um, Tommy and Eric? I'll start with Tommy. And how is the Camino project um, engaging with that? Because we hear things about Father Flager of St. Sabina, um, how you know he, we we hear him address it. Um, but but how how do how do, how how would the Camino project engage in that through formation? So, you know, the Camino Project offers a unique opportunity for a real adventure, right? Something that our young people, um, and this is young people in the inner city um, anywhere today, right? Where we live in primarily a virtual world, um, our young people are really craving. They're, they're begging uh, for a real life experience. You know, they're, they're begging to have um, human interactions, right? And see other people as humans, not a profile picture, right? Or text on a screen. Um, and the, there's nothing like the adventure uh, that the Camino offers, um, you know, certainly a, a, a truly faith-based adventure. Um, so one thing is, you know, we, off, we, we encourage them, one of my favorite quotes that this organization is built around, Benedict XVI, the world offers you comfort, but you weren't made for comfort, you were made for greatness, right? So um, we offer them an adventure that's out of their comfort zone, outside of the inner city of Chicago, um, we have, a, you know, curriculum um, that's not fine-tuned yet, but we're in the process of building it. Anyone out there have some tips or want to help? We're all ears. Um, but we look to, to come back to the virtues. Um, the one thing that I think we have ignored uh, as Catholics and maybe um, some of the greatest contribution that we can offer to the inner-city youth is the virtues, right? Nobody's put them together like the Catholics have. Um, I mean, it's down to a science. I mean, it's almost mathematical, right? And I think when you take this to, to these kids who, you know, they don't want to grow up maybe um, like they were raised, you know, maybe it's a single parent household. Um, maybe they lost several family members to violence. Um, they don't want that, but they don't see another way. And the virtues really give you a, a pointed way uh, to change yourself, right? If you make a conscious effort to do so. You know, so we also want to offer those tours of tools as well. Yeah. I think uh, Tommy kind of gave an answer to that a couple of minutes ago. 
on social interactions, right? I think very few people want to wake up and say, man, I want to have a social violent interaction today, right? I don't think anybody does that, right? right. Especially kids. Mm-hmm. Now, some may enjoy fighting, but nobody, I don't think anybody wakes up with that desire in their heart. I think when people wake up, they probably tell themselves, you know what? Yesterday was yesterday, but some way, please, God, make this a pleasant day. Maybe they don't articulate it like that, but I think that desire is within them. So, for instance, uh, one of the social interactions we have is the Camino de Chicago. Uh, We're still currently, hopefully we can get that done uh, by the end of September. But anyway, it's a small pilgrimage within Chicago uh, to a particular neighborhood. We stop at like seven churches and and whatnot and look at the architecture. It's a chance for people to meet people, too. People who have the same questions as you do people who have been through something similar like, like you have. Um, it's, it's those interactions, I think, that help people be less angry. When they find out, man, there's other people out here that have, has had, has had trials and tribulations, worse than I have. And I'm looking, at them, I'm looking at them today, and they don't look angry, they look at peace, right? It's those living examples that we need. And yeah, the narratives of all the violence, the death, the single homes, that's a real narrative, right? But, even when it comes to Chicago, there's, there's a lot of bad news that come out of Chicago, but everybody must remember there's a lot of good too. And I think we should never get so entrapped within the bad and think there's no good narratives. They are good narratives. Sometimes you got to really dig for them and search for them, but they're out there because God's not going to leave, leave us a society that has no grace. Okay, God's grace is always there. And sometimes you can see it within another person. You just got to be patient and look. And when you see it, that should be a sign of hope for you, for me, right? That some way, shape, or form, the violence that's, no, by, by God's grace, the violence I have around me right now, some way God has a plan for that to disappear, right? Same thing with the situation in the church today. You have priests that don't live up to the role, bishops that don't live up to the role. But one thing that has kept me in some type of, of solace is, is that I don't care how bad it gets, right? I don't care what bishop says this, what, what priest says that, who's honoring the sacrament of confession, who's not. At the end of the day, like my priest tells me, God is on the throne. God already foresaw this. You already put the soldiers out there. They are working. In some way, shape, or form, you know, his kingdom will have a victory. I don't know it. I don't know how, right? But I'm, in some way, I'm part of that plan. Tommy's part of that plan. You're part of that plan. Anybody who's going to respond positively to God's grace, you're part of that plan. So we got to have, we got to maintain a positive attitude. I don't care how bad things get. Okay. We have to. Yeah. 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 I'm really excited about the communal project and and the the pilgrimage aspect. I'm so happy that you're here, that you have also a local pilgrimage as well. Um, Because I, I really agree that taking people out of their environment, even for a moment, can change them and make them a different person when they go back into that environment, just having these new experiences, right? I think we've all had that. Um, you know, like I said, from, from, from my perspective, from having taught in uh, um, a city school, um, for some kids just coming to school, getting away from home and all the drama at home helps, right? So therefore, if taking people even further away, just giving us these pilgrimage experiences and connecting it with the faith, um, that has just like massive potential just to change lives. Um, but 
Oh, and we're speaking with Mr. Tommy Burke and Mr. Eric Phillips. Tommy is the founder and CEO of the Camino Project. You can find it online at thecaminoproject.org. And Eric Phillips, he is the director of membership information. So, Tommy, how do people, how do people like, how do they find out how they have a kid or they know a kid? They're in the Archdiocese of Chicago. Um, they're hearing about this program. How do they get in? How do they, what's the first steps to getting into your program and what does formation look like? Sorry, I muted myself. Um, first steps would uh, be to go on, uh, go on our website. Um, you can find the application link on there. Application for uh, summer of 2022. Um, has not been rolled out yet. Um, that should be rolled out uh, come October, November. Um, but uh, so we do ask for a letter of recommendation uh, from the pastor of the parish and any organization uh, that the young person is volunteering with. Um, and, uh, you know, again, we're looking for people who have, you know, financial need, right? So that's not just, you know, the young person, but if they come from a family, you know, that, you know, could, if they wanted to afford to send them, uh, on the Camino, uh, we'd ask them, you know, not to apply. Um, so we can make sure that we're benefiting, you know, people who really need it. Um, and, uh, in terms of formation, uh, we're currently working with the Institute of Christ, the King sovereign priest here in Chicago, um, to kind of fine tune, um, our formation program, uh, that Eric and, uh, Dan Tucci kind of works with Eric on that. He's another board member. Um, you know, so, we're hoping to have more progress on that. It's a daunting task, no doubt about it, because uh, we're talking about forming our young people. <laughs> but uh, we're, we're hoping to make some progress on that by uh, the spring of 2022, uh, when the formation class will start. Yeah, yeah. And I know that's like, I guess that's something that's, like you said, you said earlier, that's something I think Eric said earlier, that's something I guess, over time, you're going to keep fine tuning and, and making better over time i guess that's how formation is you you start something and you tweak it over time and, and so forth but eric what do you guys need money for what, what do you need money for um your 501c3 um i know tommy burke is you know well to do he looks like a very well to do man but um what, <laughs> what what do you guys need money for i mean how can we how can we help you but in addition with our prayers how can we help you Okay. Yeah. Well, like you said, prayers. Um, Money-wise, um, just going towards. So the money that we expensed last time, the majority of it went to sending our, our pilgrim, the plane flights, the the money that needs to be converted to euros when they're out there because they got to eat and take care of other needs. Uh, so the flight there, the flight back. Uh, that's the bulk of the expenses, but also, um, like, so we we we're trying to do more local activities too right um i think you know, to my surprise but it's, it's a good surprise not last year but the year before that we was able to get like three or four local events done but we want to do more and those that we do have the community of chicago right um we had a painting uh a paint a painting activity where people came and it was sipping paint drinking painted we did that. We did. We tried to do a scavenger hunt. That didn't go. That didn't. That didn't go through that year. But oh, us, so, those are the various things we're trying to do locally, and we need money to make those even more 
pop, you know, give even more efficacious, right? Even more aesthetically pleasing. But you know, and as you know, David, the time is not all about the money. Volunteers can always having a list of volunteers is always beneficial, right? And so people can d- donate their time. So you can donate your talent, treasure, and your time. If you do all three, then God, by God's grace, do so. If you can do one, if you can do two of those things, God's grace, do so. If you do one, we appreciate that too. If you can't do none, like David said, just pray for us. But yeah, bulk, bulk of that money does go to actually sending that pilgrim to. So we're trying to get more than one pilgrim now. We want to get two, three, four, five. So that's where that bulk of that money will be going. Towards. Yeah, we. The, the vast majority of our expenses are on sending the pilgrim. Um, any local event, you know, we, um, you know, we try to also raise funds off that. Uh, we're a grassroots organization, just kind of a ragtag group of Chicago guys, right? Neighborhood guys uh, coming together, trying to make it work. Um, we don't have any funding, institutional funding or anything like that. Um, and yeah, everything is centered towards sending more young people there, more young people on the Camino. And we're wrapping up our conversation with um, the Camino Project. Tommy Burke is the founder of it. He's a founder and a CEO. And Eric Phillips is here talking about this. He's um, the um, director of membership and formation. This is an exciting program that I want everyone to know more about. And so we can build it up in Archdiocese Chicago. And then Tommy, his team, can then start rolling it out to other dioceses in need. It's been around since 2000. 17, like I said, you can find out more about it at um, thecaminoproject.org, thecaminoproject.org. Lots of good information there. So we got a couple minutes left. Um, and so, Tommy, I just want, if you could wrap it up maybe in, in one minute or so, just tell us about um, some of your opportunities that you're looking forward to in the future and some of the, uh, you know, obstacles that you have, just give us a good summary of, of where you add and where you're headed and tell us what, what excites you the most. Well, what excites me the most is that I think, you know, the, the mission is, you know, um, something that's, that's proven, right, to, to advance the state of the church, not just here in Chicago, but around the world. Um, traditional pilgrimage has always been a, a, a pillar of the Catholic faith, right? We need that uh, more than ever now in the U.S., especially considering the environment our young people live in. Um, we uh, challenge has actually been getting applicants. Uh, oddly enough, you know, um, we were able to raise money and meet our goals, um, but we need applicants. We need young people um, to apply, right? Being ready and willing to, you know, leave their comfort zone. Um, and uh, quickly, I'll give you a, just a real quick story. When I started the Camino in the middle of South Central France, my very first day, there was a guy I'm in the middle of nowhere. The guy walking up behind me and I'm looking over my shoulder like, you know, who is this guy? This is the Chicago in Tommy, right? And he comes up and he says, hey, man, good, you know, good Camino in French. Bon chemin. Next day, same thing. First night, I'm sleeping in a room full of 20 people. I literally had my backpack tied around my ankles because I'm convinced somebody's going to steal my stuff or, you know, try to kill me in my sleep, right? Here's the Chicago in Tommy. Three, four days later backpack on the side of the bed not tied around my ankles and i was more than happy anytime the stranger came walking up behind me um on the way right so i mean that's the kind of change not every place is chicago um you know people are not bad right strangers aren't always bad i've made lifelong friends some of them were at my wedding um you know so just a you know just like a concise little 
story. I mean, the proof is in the pudding. There's no doubt. Um, people, if you have a chance to go on the Camino, it doesn't have to be with us. Uh, just take the leap. Um, go in the summer. It'll change your life. God bless. Man, that, that, <laughs> wow, that's, that's a powerful story. You got me want to go on a Camino now. If I was, man, I'm going to see if I can make an application to your program. You think I can pass as 18 year old? What do you think? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, thir- 32, I, I give you, though, for sure. <laughs> right. But, uh, they should, they should... On the David L. Gray Show, voicing truth and reason, and Tommy Burke and Eric Phillips, they're with the Camino Project. You can find out more about what they're doing at the CaminoProject.org. You got to check out this ministry. Get on board with it. Whatever you can give, your time, your talent, your treasure, uh, most especially your prayers. So let's get this thing going. Um, turn Chicago around, return to culture, and um, it, it just makes some dynamic changes in some young people's lives, like like Tommy said. Um, just these encounters, these transformative encounters, man, I'm so excited about this project. But you've been listening to the David L. Gray Show, voicing truth and reason on the Guadalupe Radio Network. Um, next week, we're going to have, um, it's Pro-Life Wednesday, so we're going to have um, a monologue, of course, and then I have an exciting conversion story for you next week and um, this convert is it was really the pro-life uh, finding out what the catholic church teaches about life i think that's a lot of the stories of many people oftentimes we hear stories of people found tradition or the fathers or or something like that but did you know that discovering what the catholic church teaches about life that has changed multiple lives and has brought people into the church so we're going to have um, Caitlin on talking about that. And um, the week after that, the fourth Wednesday of the month, you know it is Finance Wednesday. So um, Kevin will be back on, um, financial advisor. So he'll be giving you advice about that. So, but thanks for tuning in. I'll be back same time next week, same time, same place. And I look forward to conversing with you again. In between time, visit me at davidogray.info. But until then, until next time, remember that Jesus loves you and is there for you. And live your life like salvation matters. And may the abundance of our lowers and blessings and favors fall upon you and yours. Thank you. Keeping you informed and inspired. Hi, Joe McLean here, host of the Catholic Drive Time. Heard Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. Central, 7 Eastern, right here on the Guadalupe Radio Network. News and information, Catholic conversation, inspiration, fun, and prizes are involved. Log on to our website to get all the details, to find all the information, the podcast, the videos, and so much more. GRNonline.com. That's GRNonline.com forward slash CDT. God love you. Are you wondering what to do with the house and need to talk with someone who can explain your options? My name is Jake, and as real estate investors, my brother Gerald and 